Okay, so this morning we are talking about foundations. We're talking about the foundation of the church, and we're talking about the foundation that we build our life on. And so my mission this morning is to try to convince you, or at least move you closer toward the conviction, that Jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on. Jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on. So hopefully I'll be successful. Hopefully you will all believe uh, this truth when we're done. So let's, let's get started. When I just got out of college, I worked at Sears. I worked in the tool department and in lawn and garden. And uh, I learned a lot. I got good at my job pretty quickly, selling tools, selling lawn equipment. And I learned several cool things. I learned what a spud wrench was. Anybody know what a spud wrench is? All right, got some spud wrenchers here. Uh, not that that's a thing. Uh, I also learned that table saws are dangerous. It's another story for another sermon. And I also learned that you can always find a more expensive way to mow your grass. And as a sales guy on commission, I will help you find that more expensive way to mow your grass. Well, while I was at Sears, I worked with a guy named Lacey. He was a friend of mine. He was a great guy. And he was a Sears lifer. He had been there for 20, 25 years. He had plans to be there another 10 and to retire with a pension and, and all that stuff. And so um, I, however, was much shorter lived with my Sears Carole, uh, Carole? career. Sears career. I was only going to be there a short while. I had my plans on summer camp ministry. I was going to be in summer camp my whole life. So, and here I am. Uh, but no, this is much better. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I lost my place. Where was I? I was talking about Lance. I was talking about retirement. And, okay, so even not having much Sears time in myself, because of a couple articles I had read, I could see the writing on the wall for Sears. Sears was not making the sales it used to. Sears was not having the traffic that it used to. And I thought about my, my, buddy, uh, my, my buddy Lacey, and I thought, what's going to happen to him if this Sears store closes? What's going to happen to his pension? What's going to happen to his career, his retirement plans? What kind of stress and instability was that creating in him and creating in his home? Well, several years later, after we had moved to Tennessee, that Sears store did close, as well as thousands of them across the country. And so now, <coughs> Lacey's uh, present, uh, his career, his future retirement, it's all up in the air, and he's got to figure that out. His, his hopeful future had crumbled kind of below him. Friends, have you ever experienced something like this? Something that has rocked your plans, rocked your foundation? Maybe you've experienced something very similar. You had a career, you had those plans, and everything was going to be great, and then it just fell out from under you. Or maybe you were pursuing an education and you had plans to, 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 uh, to pursue a, a, some career. And some life event sideswiped you and you had to drop out and you've not returned. Or maybe you had a medical issue and it just financially wrecked your family. Or you had a relationship that you poured time and effort and you relied on this relationship and then something happened and that also crumbled. 
Friends, we've all had some kind of level or experience where our life, our foundation is shaken or washed away even. Well, lucky for us, today's passage talks about how we can have confidence in our foundation. We, have, we can have confidence in our foundation if we build it on Christ, if we build it on the cornerstone. So turn with me, if you're not already there, to Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. And to give a little bit of context, the, the section right before this, which Scott did a great job of teaching last week, uh, the section right before this talks about how because of what Jesus has done for us, we can have peace with God. We can have peace with one another. And it talks about how Jews and Gentiles had this wall of hostility between them. But because of Christ, they are being remade together into a new man. So with that peace and unity in mind, let's let's look at the passage here. Verse 18. For through him, through, through Jesus, we both, both Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit to the Father. So now because of what Jesus has done, we have access to God. We have potential for a relationship and connection with God like we've never had before. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Here we see the first of three analogies that Peter's going to use to help us understand our relationship to God. It's a political analogy, and it's comparing, it's, it's comparing uh, alienship to citizenship. And yes, I made up alienship. It's not a real word, but you get it, right? So, alienship, like UFO, you know? All right. So he's comparing this relationship with God as someone who is an alien who moves into citizenship. We, as Americans, do not properly appreciate the freedoms we have here in America. We can, we can move around. We can drive from state to state. We can live life. We can do business. We can just live life without inhibitions, really. But an illegal alien, here or any other country, they don't have those rights. They're limited in where they can go. They're limited in the jobs they can have. They're limited in the resources they have access to. Um, lots, of, lots of ways that they are, are limited. And so we are like these aliens, these strangers, who have now become citizens with God. It's pretty cool. So Paul doesn't stop here. He doesn't even finish his sentence before he moves on to the second analogy, which is of a household, of a family. So let's read verse 19 again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's one thing to be a citizen. It's another to be a family member. It's another to belong. You can be a citizen and not speak the language and not have family and not have a sense of belonging there, but to have, to have that family and to know this is where I should be. So in our relationship with God, we are taken from enemy, which the scriptures talk about us. That's the state we were in before Christ. We went from enemy 
to citizen, to belonging as family. God pursued us. This was not by our own works, as our memory verse that we cite every week at the end of the service uh, tells us. God pursued us and made this happen on his reason, on his account. All right, so, so the Gentiles that Paul is talking to here about this new citizenship and this family belonging, this is totally foreign to them. In their theology, with their multitude of gods, the gods created humanity to serve them. And so you serve God out of obligation, you serve God out of fear that if you didn't do it right, then they would zap you with lightning, that they would not allow your crops to grow, that they would allow terrible things to happen to you. And so the Gentiles, this is a new idea, to have this level of intimacy and this level of belonging with God. And so just to pause for a minute, Christian, if you follow Christ, if you've accepted him as your savior and your theology looks like this, serving God out of obligation, serving God out of fear because you're afraid of what he's going to do to you, smash you with his thumb if you don't do it right, then you're missing some important parts of this new relationship that you have with God, some important parts of having a new life in Christ. All right, so Paul doesn't stay here long either. He moves on to his third analogy, one of a foundation. So do you remember my mission this morning? My mission is that I want you to understand that Jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on. So let's go to it. Let's uh, address the mission here. Let's read verse 19 again, and we're going to go all the way through 21. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of God. Here we see the household of God that we are now members of and what it's built on. The foundation of the apostles and prophets and the cornerstone being Jesus. So let me talk about cornerstone and then we'll talk about foundation, right? So the cornerstone in a masonry foundation made up of lots of rocks and mortar and and different things, the cornerstone is the most important part because the cornerstone decides a lot of things. The cornerstone is placed first and it decides the location of the building. So here I've got my big cornerstone. It's really heavy, can you tell? And you drop it right here, all right? The cornerstone dictates the building's location. The cornerstone dictates the building's orientation. And then every stone after that is laid in accord with that stone. The foundation blocks are pressed up against nice and tight in a nice straight line, and then everything is built off of that. The cornerstone is the standard for the building. So what do we mean Jesus is the cornerstone? Jesus is the standard. Colossians 1, 15a says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Friends, we cannot see God. But what we can see is Jesus' life, his example. We can see his expression of God's character. Jesus was the human 
presentation of the character of God. He showed grace perfectly. He showed love perfectly. He extended his hand to the outcast. He showed love and acceptance to his people, to humanity. Christ was the human presentation of the perfect character of God. And later, in the same letter to Ephesians that were to the Ephesians that we are uh, studying here, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Do it as Christ did it. Look at Christ for the example. He is the standard. That is what is meant when we talk about Christ being the cornerstone. We line up with him. We line up with the cornerstone and point to the cornerstone. We copy him. We love like him. Okay, so now let's talk about this foundation. The passage we are in today calls the, po- the apostles and prophets the foundation of the church. The apostles and the prophets had one-on-one relationships with Jesus and God. So the disciples of Jesus would later be called the apostles after Jesus ascended. So the disciples, they lived with Jesus, they ate with him, they walked with him, they smelled him, they brushed up against him, they lived every day for three years-ish with Jesus. They knew him intimately and saw his example firsthand very well. The prophets of the Old Testament had one-on-one unique relationships with God. God gave them special revelation. God gave them special direction. They had a similar intimate relationship with God. So you can imagine this. We've got our foundation rock, the big huge thing I put here a minute ago, and going off this edge, we've got the apostles. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're just all lined up, pressed hard against, perfectly lined up as best they can. And then off this, this edge of the stone, we've got the prophets. Lined up, pressed hard against, making sure they're in alignment. And so we have this foundation that then the church rises from. Every stone in the foundation, every stone in the building lines up with, copies uh, the standard, loves like the cornerstone, and points to the cornerstone. This foundation was Jesus' plan from the beginning. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see this account where Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says to his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. And then he said, okay, who do you say that I am? And Peter, one of the disciples, answers him in Matthew 16, 16. So we're going to look at that together. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
This is exactly what Paul is referring to. This is what Paul is expounding on was this idea that Jesus was talking about right here. Paul is referring in the book of Ephesians, in our passage, he is referring to the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is referring to how Peter and the apostles received this truth from God and how they are lined up and directly connected to Christ, the Son of the living God. Paul is referring to Jesus and his disciples who would later be called the apostles who founded the church, who grew the church after Christ ascended. This is the church and the foundation we're talking about. Friends, Jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on. Let me share a story after I get a drink. Do you remember the Gatlinburg fires in 2017? I don't know about here in Greenville, but where I lived out in Mossheim, you could smell the fire for, for weeks. You could smell all that smoke coming over. Uh, the Gatlinburg fires burned 17,000 acres. They burned 2,400 structures, buildings, homes. Um, they did a lot of damage. Several months later, I got to be a part of a small crew that helped rebuild one of the houses out there. So here's a picture of me and the crew. Uh, that's my good buddy Aaron on the left side, his stepdad Pat on the right, some great guys there. But we, uh, you can see the house being rebuilt behind us. Those are brand new logs. That log house was huge. And we touched every square inch of it with stain. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It took us three days, I think. So if you were to insert yourself in that picture right where we were standing and turn around, all you would see was black burnt forest. All you would see is burnt house, empty foundation, half burnt house, and just, it keeps going. That's all you could see. There was very little reconstruction work going on, going on except for right here. And so when we were there and working, the owner of the house told us, I'm the only one in the neighborhood that can rebuild. Because back in the 90s, or whenever, I don't remember exactly where, but that's not important. Back in the 90s when I built this house, I poured $100,000 in the foundation and in the concrete basement. And so at the time, the, standards, the building uh, standards were a lot lower, and so everybody else just barely built up to the standards. And since they've been raised, more difficult, more safe, nobody else is allowed to build. Only I can. And so I'm sure at the time, he was probably sweating like, ah, is $100,000 worth it? Ah, this is a big basement. I don't know. This is a big foundation. But he got to rebuild his house while everybody else in the neighborhood was left with total loss. That's the picture of the church's foundation. The church's foundation is not going anywhere. The church's foundation and the structure itself, yeah, maybe the church might get some damage over the years, and it has. And yeah, maybe some fire might come in and damage things, but the church isn't going anywhere because this is the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against just like that house it can be rebuilt it will be rebuilt it's not going anywhere jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on but don't simply build your life on jesus in isolation build 
with the church. Be connected in the church. And let me rephrase it. Allow yourself to be a building block in the church. Verse 22 says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Friends, you are the church. You are the building blocks of the church. Sunday morning, this is not the church. This building is not the church. But our community is. The fact that we get together, the fact that we worship God, that we point to the cornerstone, that we reach out to the community to tell them about our cornerstone, the fact that we do the hard work of trying to pursue peace together, that we do the hard work of trying to live life with people who aren't like us. We are the church. The dwelling place of God is our community. The dwelling place of God is when we come together, when we grow together, when we do the hard work of pursuing peace together, when we pool our resources to tell other people about the cornerstone and the foundation that they can be a part of. So why? Why is Jesus the worthy foundation for our lives? Because it's plumb and level and oriented correctly. It is the standard of God. Because this is the place where we all belong as citizens, as family members. Because it's not going anywhere. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because the church that rises up from this foundation is the dwelling place of God. Because the church that rises up from this foundation is God's plan to reconcile the world to himself. Friends, let me, let me encourage you to build your foundation on Jesus and be a building block in the church. Join us in this community, in this piece of that greater worldwide church. Join us, throw your chips in with us, throw your resources and your time in with us and help us to build this dwelling place of God. Help us reach the community to show, and to, to, uh, to show Green County that we are for them, that God is for them and that this is the foundation that is going to last. And for all of us, if we choose to do this, if we choose to throw our lots in and build on Christ, it will mean adjusting our priorities. It will mean taking a second look at our career and saying, is that my main foundation? Or our education? Or that relationship that we are so emotionally tied to? or whatever your foundation is, that if it were to shake and crack, you'd be devastated. What is that for you? It t it'll take some adjusting of priorities. Friends, join us. Join us in a small group. Grow with us in that regard. We have small groups every night of the week. We can find something that fits for you. We have a recovery group on Mondays, a recovery ministry on Mondays, that also functions like a great small group. Join us in service. We have hundreds of people that serve every week that help make Sunday worship happen, that make kids men happen, Wednesday students happen, Monday recovery and marriage ministries happen. We have one to four outreaches a month to the community to communicate to them, we love you, God loves you, come build on the rock. It'll take adjusting priorities for all of us if this is what we're going to do. 
Friends, when you build your life on the foundation of Jesus, you don't have to stress about him going bankrupt. And you don't have to stress about him rejecting you and leaving you. You don't have to stress about him caring about your education being good enough or your job being good enough. It will be challenging. It will be hard work. But when you commit to being a part of the church in a real way, you will be a part of a community that, a community that is unlike any other. You're going to be a part of a community that God calls home and calls you family. Jesus is a worthy foundation for you to build your life on. Let me pray for us, friends. Jesus, because of your work on the cross, because of your death on our behalf, we can have access to God as citizens and as family members. Because of your perfect life, we can look and we can see the, uh, the perfect character of God. We can see the standard that you are for us. God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the ability to look at our foundations and to see them for what they are, just a pile of sand that can be washed away, that will be washed away one day. But, to be, but, to, but remind us that we can build on you and we can have a solid foundation. God, give us the courage to do that, to build on Jesus. We thank you and praise you for all that you do for us, for sustaining us, for making us um, your children. Amen.